Hey everyone, it's me, Javier. We have a bonus episode for you today. While John and I were in Dallas, Texas for the True Crime Podcast Festival, we decided to take a little detour and retrace Lee Harvey Oswald's escape route. When John told me that this is what he wanted to do while we were in Dallas, I thought he was kind of nuts. But it was actually really interesting. The audio you're going to hear is going to describe places around us, and that's because we shot it all on video. So if you want to watch our adventure in Dallas, go to the Pretend Podcast YouTube page. I'll have a link in the show notes, and you can watch the whole thing. Well, I'll stop describing it. Let's get on with the show. John Taylor and I are in Dallas, Texas at Dealey Plaza, where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. And today we're going to retrace Lee Harvey Oswald's footsteps from his escape from the Texas School Depository to his boarding house where he ultimately got arrested. All right, so John and I have been exploring Dallas all morning and we've kind of been retracing Lee Harvey Oswald's steps, and it all started right up here at the Book Depository. And what's really strange, John, and you were kind of explaining, now that we're here, you know, Oswald took the shot from over there, but this street, the motorcade was coming down this street, and it could have been a clear shot. Right. You came down Market Street here. I mean, that's a much clearer shot. Right. And it's also, you're, he's coming at you as you're shooting at him. Versus he makes his corner, he's going down the hill away from you as you're shooting. It's a more logical shot. Maybe he wasn't in position yet. I don't know. But it certainly looks like that's where he would have been shooting it, if that were the primary uh, assassin. Location. Yeah, so it almost like he hesitated. Or right, he's coming. I mean, he's, he's facing this street from that uh, perch. It's a clear shot. And when he makes the turn, he would have been right below him. It's totally exposed. But he waits still, he's heading away from him and down a hill before he starts firing the shots. It's just a very odd choice. It doesn't I mean, make a lot of sense. I mean, the only thing I can think of is either he wasn't in position when he needed to be, or uh, that, like you said, he hesitated. Like he, was, he got cold feet and then he finally realized he had to do it. So it's on the sixth floor, which is not the top floor. It's the second from the top. It's where that window is? And it's where that window is, right? Right there? The yep. second one from the top looks like it's open. How you doing, man? Go across the street and look in there. You're going to see a beige box. So the question is, after the fatal shot, where was Lee Harvey Oswald planning on going? Did he expect to make it out of the book's depository alive? Got off and went to his boarding house. Went in the boarding house, but he got his pistols out, not? Yeah. Who knows? John and I are about to retrace his steps. When Lee Harvey Oswald escaped, he slipped out of the book depository and walked several blocks, caught a city bus, and then hailed a taxi that took him to his boarding house. Why did he go to his boarding house? No one quite knows for sure, but there he picked up a pistol and began to walk. All right, what's up? All right, so once we leave the Texas School Book Depository, we'll go to Oswald's rooming house, which is the path he took, though he took... A, bu some, a bus, at least one bus, and a cab, which is peculiar. So yeah. we'll do that route. So we're going to Lee Harvey Oswald's house. Pulling in like we know him. Yeah. 
So this was a boarding house. <clears throat> this is where he went right after he exited the book depository. This is John. John knows a lot, an unhealthy amount of knowledge about this case. Oswald's boarding house is just a single-story ranch-style house outside of downtown Dallas. We knocked on the door, but no one answered. All right, so John, right after he left the book depository, he what? He, what, he took a bus? Right, he took a bus and a cab to get here. Uh, and then walked part of it. Uh, so they got here, they think picked up a gun, maybe his jacket, and then left immediately and started walking. And then he ended up at the next location we're gonna go to, which is where Officer Tippett was killed. So he walked from here, and which direction was it? I don't know. It's not clear where he was walking to or what were his plans after he escaped. As he was walking aimlessly outside of Dallas, Texas, he stumbled upon a policeman named J.B. Tippett. All right, John, so where are we? We're at 10th and Patton Street here in Dallas where uh, Officer J.D. Tippett was killed, allegedly by Lee Harvey Oswald, shortly after the assassination. And it's just, it's not at all what I was expecting. I was expecting so this was like a neighborhood back then? Yeah, this is much more of a neighborhood, but it's still just a very peculiar location. Like, And so he'd been to his house and he's just, he's out walking and that's, you know, it drives a lot of the conspiracy theories. Like, what? Why, why was he out walking? Like, was he going to meet somebody? That's what most people. And so this was—I don't know the story here. This is just like a happenstance. Like they just happened to run into each other. I think that the uh, the the official story is that uh, J.D. Tippett got a—he was told the description of the person they thought it was unaccounted for at the Texas Book Depository, which they thought might be having something to do with the assassination. And so he stopped uh, Lee Harvey Oswald to question him. Yeah because he matched the description and Oswald shot him. So it took 45 minutes for Oswald to go from the assassination site to here. And in between, he went to his house? Yes. And huh. probably picked up the pistol that he used to shoot Oswald. After Oswald shot Officer Tippett, he continued walking towards the Texas Theater, where he ultimately was arrested. What are we looking at? Texas Theater, which is where Oswald was arrested shortly after shooting uh, J.D. Tippett. So he was seen in front of one of these storefronts, like milling around. The storefront was a, sh a shoe store at the time. And the uh, manager or owner called the police because he had just heard that there was a police officer uh, shot in the area, and he thought that Oswald, the guy that was out front, matched the description. We're geeking out to uh, JFK history here in Dallas, Texas. The co-host of Criminal Conduct, kind of digging into the history archives here. <laughs> exactly. Needless to say, we did a lot of walking through Dallas to recreate Lee Harvey Oswald's escape. But we finally made it to the Texas Theater, and John was right. It's still a working theater today, where they show horror films. We tried to get in, but the theater was closed. So this is this is where uh, I was about to say John Wilkes Booth came. <laughs> Oswald. Oswald, wrong presidential assassin.
So he, he came here right after he shot that officer and, yeah. and just was laying low. Yeah, I went in and bought a ticket to the movie. I forgot what movie was playing. Probably not this movie. Not this movie, yeah. When John Taylor told me that this is what he wanted to do when we were in Dallas, I thought he was crazy. But you know what? It turned out to be a lot of fun. It was very interesting to be there and see firsthand how Lee Harvey Oswald was able to escape one of the biggest crime scenes in U.S. history. And they point this out in the movie JFK, which is a pretty bad movie. When we come back, we're going to go to the grassy knoll. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. We can't end this episode without talking about the grassy knoll. So let's get back to Dealey Plaza. So we're on the grassy knoll. This is the grassy knoll. It's not very grassy. This would be, well, right here. The, the, right there is the grassy knoll, actually on the other side of that. White Where that guy is. The grassy knoll is just a small hill or an incline that runs along Dealey Plaza. It's right where John F. Kennedy's motorcade was passing through. It's just a small patch of grass, and honestly, being there after years of hearing about the grassy knoll, I find it impossible for a hitman or a sniper to shoot the president and get away with it. There would have been too many people around. What do we got? Oh, we got the two X's on the street. The first X up there is where the first shot hit Kennedy. Second X is where the fatal shot got Kennedy, approximately. And this is also the grassy knoll. Yeah, this is the, the grassy knoll. So this is what they were pointing to, because this is the, the space between where the uh, alleged shooters would have been and the road. So there was a reporter in the motorcade who referred to this as a grassy knoll. That's where it got its name. Yeah. And there's much more of a de decline going down this hill than you would expect. I mean, yeah. reading read about the trajectories and all that. If you're ever in Dallas, Texas, stop by the Dealey Plaza. They have a museum at the sixth floor where Lee Harvey Oswald shot John F. Kennedy. It is fascinating. It's really well put together and it captures a very important time in our history. You got to see it for yourself. All right, that was it. That was our adventure in Dallas. Stay tuned for news on season four of Criminal Conduct. We're working on it now. We have multiple stories to work on and it's going to be really exciting. So I can't wait to share that with you. But until then, take care and happy Halloween.
All right, it is 5 a.m. on Friday, October 7th. I am on my way to the airport to fly out to Washington State for a week-long sonar and ROV search at Lake Crescent with Gene and Sandy Ralston. It's been nine years since I started looking into the enigmatic and meticulous serial killer, Israel Keys. Based on the files we've received, I think we can fairly rule out two victims. Based on files and work Kaz and I have done, I think there are three victims that uh, we should definitely take a closer look at. And in those nine years, I've read over 10,000 pages of documentation, listened to over 40 hours of interviews, interviewed forensic experts, former FBI agents, potential witnesses, and people who knew Keys. Why don't you tell me about Cammie? She was my sidekick. I think at 18, I was, or just after 18, I moved in with my grandma, which she lived with our grandma. I was driving, I worked, she was in school, but she would always go anywhere with me. I've traveled tens of thousands of miles to almost everywhere Keys had ever been. And now, going into its sixth season, True Crime Bullshit has more new leads and more new information than ever. He was not allowed to take any evidence from the FBI, but he was allowed to go watch videos, videos that we don't have access to, and he took copious notes on them. Oh. And we are getting closer and closer to understanding and exposing the crimes of Israel Keys. And then just his disappearance date is the exact disappearance date of Alexis Patterson. Which his name is 45. Interesting. True Crime Bullshit returns for its sixth season on October 27th. Subscribe and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. And check out truecrimebullshit.com for timelines, videos, and more. That's what a real body would look like. Okay. So if you take away... Take away the legs. It's not dissimilar. Take away some arms. Yeah. It's it's unusual to find woody debris that's forked. Mm. See any trees around here that no. fork? No. With the ends of the two quote-unquote leg-like objects that approximate same length? Yeah, I mean, nothing of that size, no. Creative power.